Hello, everybody. Prayer. Prayer. That's what we're talking about. That's the sermon series we're in the middle of is prayer. The, the topic is, um, is anyone out there? Is anyone out there? How to pray. Praying is a, is a funny thing. It's a very funny thing. Anyone out there is, is kind of a good summary uh, emotion sometimes when we approach prayer, right? Is anyone out there? My, my two-month-old son looked at me like that at 3 a.m. and 9 a.m. this morning. Is anyone out there? Um, as he's screaming and crying, and, and uh, <laughs> that, it's fun. It's really fun. Um, but he has this look of like, what, what are you doing? And I couldn't help but notice that there's a lot of um, similarities actually between our relationship with God and, and a two-month-old relationship with his father. You know, like he forgets that I just fed him, and yet he, he still doesn't trust that I'm going to feed him this next time. Right, we're kind of like that. He, we forget that God just did something for us, and is He going to do it again? Right, and and He's still screaming at me, and He and He He rejects the things that He actually needs. I know He needs the bottle, but He pretends like He doesn't want it. Right. Well, that that sounds a little bit like me. And I'm, you know, He's screaming, "Is are you there? Are you there?" And I'm like, I I can't be more there. Like I, you know, like I am enveloping you right now. Like you you cannot leave my presence. And yet, I'm, I'm very similar. So I, I, I couldn't help but notice the similarity there of, of, of how we pray, how we approach prayer, and, and even that emotion. Is anybody there? Is anyone there? Patrick started uh, this series about prayer, talking about what prayer is not, um, the two things it's not. And, and I wish I got to do that because my, my, my minor was philosophy in college, and I never figured out what anything was. I just know what it wasn't. And, but unfortunately, fortunately for us, actually, we, we get to figure out what it is. We're going to start this week on figuring out what is it. We're going to build it up again. We know what it isn't, but now we're going to look at what it is. <clears throat> and what it isn't, it's not a performance for people. It's not, that's not what prayer is. It's not a public performance. It's, uh, that's, uh, the, Patrick talked about the hypocrites, which now for us means two-faced, but it, just, it literally just means a performer. Someone who, out, out, you know, they, they show up and they pray amazingly. Um, I don't know if anyone grew up in a, I'll reveal a little bit. I grew up in a super Christian-y environment growing up, and so we used to have, like, these prayer battles. I don't know if you've ever been in one of those. It's so awkward. There's, like, a group of people praying and, like, kind of, like, one-up praying each other using spiritual, like, more biblical language. You're like, this is, this is, I think this is actually hell, not heaven. <laughs> like, I can't, I, I'm not even focusing on God. I'm just thinking about the next, you know. So that's, that's what, what we're not going to do. <laughs> we're not going to pray as a performance to impress other people, but we're going we're gonna to look at it in a, in a new way today. And uh, I, I was thinking about, so the, yeah, let's start off with the question of the day. The question of the day is, how do you talk about your relationship with God, with other people? How do you talk about your relationship with God? And maybe for some of you, you you're just checking it out. You're not even, you don't even have a relationship yet. Thank you for being here. This is a great week to be here because we're going to find out the nature of God, <laughs> what he's really like. And it's a good week for the rest of us to be here to think about, how do I talk about this? The other battle that we get into as humans, I don't know if you've ever been in this battle, it's not the prayer battle, maybe the more accessible one is the tired battle in, in front of people, where it's kind of like this passive-aggressive, like, who works more, who gets less sleep, but you're kind of humble bragging, you know? Like someone says, oh man, I just didn't, I, I, I work with college students, so maybe this is like a thing just for me. But, you know, you, you spend time with someone, and they're like, you know, someone says, oh, I, yeah, I'm so tired, I, you know, I got five or six hours, and they're like, oh man, yeah, that sounds bad. I, you know, I only got two myself last, last night, and I had to do, write like four, four papers, and you just, you, know, you hear college students stuff for a while, you're like, no, you get no brownie. 
go to sleep. <laughs> like there is no award for you. But now I have an infant and I can finally definitively win this tired battle <laughs> once and for all. I like easy, you know, the, especially the first eight weeks. <laughs> like smiling at me. Oh my gosh, little dude ate every two hours on the clock, every two hours. It takes him an hour to eat and be snuggled back to sleep. And then you get an hour. And I couldn't like really be awake during, or fall asleep during the, the day because I'm terrible at naps. I don't know like how that, like it's a skill I don't have, but I'm terrible at naps. So I, I was sleeping the first eight weeks, probably three hours total a day. And that was for both of us. And it was like, we, we had this like weird shift system where we were trying to, you know, and we're like, when it was our turn, we could still hear the baby. We live in a studio, by the way, I, I don't know if that reveals a little bit more. We live in a studio, there's no escape. The bathroom's kind of escape. So, but finally, <laughs> I just go hang out in the bathroom. Um, <clears throat> finally, I can win this tired battle with, with college students. And I was thinking about that of like, do I actually want to win that battle? Now that I can finally win it, is that a battle I want to win? Because what I actually want to communicate about my relationship with my son is that it's so worth it. I don't want to tell them it's terrible, it's awful. You know, I could tell, you know, like there's a whole bunch of story. you know, there's a text chain actually with three of us fathers and then one guy who's not, and he's like, oh my gosh, do I ever actually want to be a father? And we had to like backtrack. We're like, actually, yes, it's okay. You're going to get pooped on. You're going to feel the heat of the poop before you know what's happening on your stomach. And that, and you're like, I I, and I shouldn't be sharing this stuff with you because it's, it's, it's a wonderful thing. It's so wonderful. It, he is a joy just by being him. It's incredible. I love it. But how do I talk about my relationship? And, and you, you can do this with any relationship, right? Like your marriage, your friends. You know, sometimes you hear someone talk about a friend. You're like, why are you still friends? <laughs> it sounds like you hate this person. Like they're, they're your nemesis, but you're like going to see them later. How do we talk about our relationships, and how do we talk about our relationship with God? Do we talk about it like it's an exhausting, terrible, fearful thing? Like, pr and, and prayer is one of the more revealing things about this, right? How we pray reveals our relationship with God, that intimate relational time, how we talk about it. How we, I prayed for so long, and God was silent, and, I, and it was just painful, but it's so worth it, right? Because look how holy I am. How do we talk about our relationship with God? Jesus, this is, the, this is the trip, right? He is God, and yet he revealed how to have a relationship with God. I don't know if that messes with anyone else's mind. He showed us, he had a relationship with his father, and he's gonna show us this morning how to have a relationship with God. That it's something that you should talk well of, and show that it's joyous, you can actually reveal that it's joyous and a wonderful thing. We're gonna learn a lot about prayer this morning. Let me pray, and then we're gonna get to our key verse. And the, and the big point this morning is that prayer is personable. Prayer is personable. When, when someone sees you, they should think, I want what that person has. When, when, they, when they talk about praying, I want that kind of prayer. And we're to learn what that looks like this morning. So let me, let me pray, and then we'll get to our verse and, and some of our key points. God, thank you again for this morning. Would you teach us how to pray, both in how you teach and your example? We're going to learn a lot from your example this morning, God. Would you reveal that to us? Um, you are so good to us, God. You are so good in your character. We want to pursue you in prayer. Help us pursue you in prayer. In your name, amen. Okay.
Our key verse this morning is Luke 11:1. 1. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. That's the verse this morning. That's the entire text that we're going to go out of, just this one verse. And I'm not going to lie, the first time when, when Patrick gave me this verse, he's like, you're going to preach out of this verse. And I was like, just this? Like, you got any more for me there, boss? Because uh, it, it seems really short. But the more you look at it, the more insane realities come out of this. The first one that I want to pause on is now Jesus was praying. This is what I was getting at earlier. Jesus, the God we pray to, was praying. God prayed. That's crazy, right? Like, to think about, he's God. What did he need to pray about? What was he like, am I gonna continue to do our will? Yes? Okay, then I'll just do it. Like, what, what, why would he pray? God prayed. He had a reason for praying. He prayed. If God, and, and think about, you know, a lot of times when we think about prayer, it's about dependence and reliance. Like, what, what wasn't Jesus perfect at? Think about his competency list. Like, I think about praying before, like, a big, you know, sermon or ministry event or planning or whatever, some of you, for, like, big days at your job. Like, what was Jesus like? I'm not sure if I can do that tomorrow. Like, he, he can stop a storm by saying, stop, and the storm stops. What's What's he got to worry about? Like the weather? No. He could heal people like their blindness. Their, he could heal their, their ears. He could make them talk. He could raise someone to life. Like what about his life was he sure I can't accomplish this task? Nothing. Dude has, the, he's the most competent person in the world. He probably like could have been the richest person in the world easily, quickly. Started charging for those resurrections Elon Musk ain't got nothing on him. Like, he could have been so wealthy. What, what, why would he pray? What was he asking for? That should make us pause. God prayed. If he prayed, maybe I should too. And maybe it just ain't about asking stuff. Maybe there's something more here. God prayed. The second thing, yeah. My son was amen to me. The second thing that's, that, that jumped out at me is when the disciples asked, teach us how to pray. So Jesus, he, he was praying and he finished and, and it was after he had finished, after he had just done it, that the disciples were like, teach me how to pray. Think about all the other time they had spent together. Why now? Why now? Why were they asking Jesus now? Why? Because what they saw, they wanted. Something about Jesus praying was like, yes, you're praying in a different way. Teach us how to pray, right? He had given them all kinds of other lessons about God, about, but they were like, I just watched you do it. Teach me how you do it. As John taught his disciples. John was Jesus' cousin who taught his disciples a little bit different style of prayer. Jesus is about to teach them this one, but we're, not, we're, not, we're barely gonna even get to how he teaches. I want to pause on this idea that Jesus prayed in a way that they wanted him to. And already in this little verse, this tiny little verse, we have reasons why. 
pretty incredible. How do I make my prayers personable? That's what Jesus, he made his prayer personable. How do I do that? How do I do that? First, the first way to make your prayers um, personable is that they're purposeful. There is a purpose. There's a very specific thing that I love about this. Jesus went to a certain place. You kind of skip over that. It was specific. Jesus had a favorite prayer spot. Again, God maybe could have teleported himself, I don't know, like to the moon or something to pray. But he had a place on this planet in Israel, in the mountains, where he, he wanted to go there. In fact, Mark 1 shares another, this is not the first time he's gone to this certain place. He's got this favorite spot on this mountain where he goes and he prays. Isn't that interesting? And he had finished. That's another fascinating thing. There was a certain place and time that Jesus set aside to pray. And when he said amen, that time, that time was done. I don't, know if, I don't know if he said amen. I don't think he did, probably not. But whenever it was like, all right, dad, see you later, that was, that's the end of the prayer. And, and that was it. There is something to making prayer purposeful. Now, the, there's, there's another verse that's, that gives us this uh, incredible idea about prayer that is very difficult, and you might have heard it before if you, if you grew up in Christian circles. If, you're not, if you haven't, here it is. Pray without ceasing. It's actually a bi- ber- verse in the Bible. Pray without ceasing. That's, that's a life of dependence. That's good. But that's not, that's not an excuse, really, to not set aside specific time to pray. Right? And believe me, because I've used that excuse to be like, I could crack my Bible and go and pray for a little bit, or I can pray without ceasing and play Call of Duty while I pray, right? Or whatever, you know, whatever you do. Maybe you're a lot more intelligent than me. But whatever you do, you can say, oh, I'm just gonna pray without ceasing. No, Jesus set aside this time. Let me give you an example. A marriage. (laughs) Date night. Oh, man, can date night become something very comfortable where you don't put a lot of effort into it, um, and for five years that I, I worked at, at college ministry at Iowa State for five years, and we actually, this, this, is, this is gonna shock you, I actually worked twice as much in Iowa than I ever did in New York. That, you doesn't, usually people, they come to New York and they like, I overwork here, and Iowa seems like corn and sunsets and lots of meat and then sleep. No, I actually worked more there, and date night was a thing that my, my wife and I, we were gonna keep every week. And, you know, the, I don't remember at what point it was that it was like, well, we could get dressed up or we could keep our sweats on, you know, grab some Chipotle, come back home and watch something comfortable, whatever it is, right? And some nights, that's okay. But at some point, the pattern happened because it was just too much work. It's too much effort. It's, it's a lot of effort having date night. And this isn't like one of those testimonials where I'm sitting up to you and I'm like, and now I do date night perfectly. We have an infant. It, it, it's not going great. But that metaphor of, of yeah, you, you kind of slip into this comfort, comfortability thing, and over time, the connection lessens. And pretty soon, we were finding out things about each other that I was like, I didn't know that you were struggling with that. Well, we used to talk about that at date night, after we got dressed up, put a whole bunch of effort. You know, there's something to, to setting aside a special time. There's something about the effort that matters. Sometimes prayer takes effort. Jesus left all of the cares and worries. You know, I can't imagine what it was like for him to look around and be like, that, you know, like, 
that, that needs help, that needs help, that needs help, everything needs help, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set aside this time with my dad. It takes effort, but it's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it to make prayer purposeful. So, you know, whatever it is, grab your favorite chair in your house or go to, you know, Hunters Point Park, which is a lot of people's favorite place in the city. Set aside some time. It doesn't have to be weekly, but some regular time. Put some effort in. Grab your favorite coffee. For some of you, for reasons I don't understand, kombucha. Grab whatever you want, your favorite drink, and go and set aside some time to pray and just be. Jesus did it in a way that everyone was like, I like that. (laughs) I want that. It's purposeful. It's purposeful. I like uh, Martin Luther had a quote. He said, I have so much to do that I shall spend the first three hours in prayer. What, that is not how I operate. When I have so much to do, the first thing I do is I, oh, it's not in my pocket, you know, like 6 a.m., email, first thing, right? Anyone else with me on that? What if that wasn't the first thing I picked up in the morning? <laughs> what if it was this? I don't know. I don't know what, what my day would be like. I'm still learning that. <laughs> Set aside the time, put in the effort. Second of all is that his, his prayers were personal because they were powerful. And this is where I, I'm just going to use, uh, just later on, is the first, w- first two words of the Lord's Prayer. We call it the Lord's Prayer. That's, that's, a, that's a big claim to, to say this, this is the Lord's Prayer. And I love it because we talk about it as a way of Jesus. It, it's like he's teaching us how to do it, but it comes after him revealing how he does it. This is how the Lord prays. Isn't that fascinating? How he does it. And the first two words, he says, our Father. Our Father. Already, again, pause. Our? You're like the Son of God, the, the, like the sent Messiah Savior. Our Father? Together, all of us, I get included on this Father thing. And, and especially back then, to call Yahweh, a name they didn't even use because it was so holy, Father? not even father, a better word is daddy. Our daddy, what a child, a a small child would use, our daddy. That's how he prayed. Our daddy. Now, obviously that word has a different meaning for me now. That intimate relationship, I'm not gonna cry, I'm fine. It was powerful because it was personal. And, and this power comes from, it comes from person meets with person. Now let me, let me break why, why this is so important for us. Person meets person. You bringing your whole person before the whole person of God. That's what makes prayer powerful. Jesus brought himself before God and we, we learn this from some of the prayers he prayed that honestly might shock us. One of his most famous prayers actually come from David. David prayed, the, prayed this prayer in Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is one of the prayers of Jesus. Jesus brought himself, what he was, on the cross. He said, why have you forsaken me? In the garden, he, he prayed a prayer that is just so fascinating to me because it reveals his humanity and his godhood at the same time. He prays, if there's any way that I don't have to die in this way, if there's any way, because it's going to be so painful, any way, take it from me. Do you, pr- do you bring your whole person to God like Jesus does? All of your cares, all of your, or do you, do you re- save some of those for just yourself? 
Does God, do you allow God to know all of you? Or do you say, he, he already knows me. No, you, ha- you bring it to him. It's a relationship. Just because my wife and I know each other really well and I know she knows why I'm, you know, like there's moments where she knows I'm mad and I'm like, I'm not mad. That doesn't help. I still need to say, you're right. <laughs> I'm mad. That's what we do with God. We bring all of our person. This is who I am. I'm terrified. I'm scared. I'm confused. This is who I am. I'm ashamed. I'm guilty. I'm fearful. This is me. Jesus did this. And we trust that he will meet us there. Our father, dad, I need to tell you where I'm at. But it's not just that. (laughs) It's not just you bringing yourself. There's a movement these days to bring your full self into society. I would say that's half the goal. It's not just you, because then there's another person (laughs) who you need to listen to and follow yourself. The relationship with God is not like any other relationship on, on the planet. It's not just two people having coffee. He's still God. And it's the only relationship that you'll ever have where it will dictate who you are. God reveals who you are. That's, that's crazy. I, that's, that's wild. People don't like it, I, that, especially on college campus. I get to determine who I am. God reveals who you are. This is so much woven into the fabric of who God is, is that Jesus waited until his father said, this is my beloved son with whom I well pleased before he started his ministry. Jesus himself, God, waited until his father said, you are my son. We need to approach the same way and say, God, who, who do you say that I am? I bring my full self, now, now speak to me. Who am I? What am I? We know he's our father. <laughs> and he's a good father. As good as, as, as we think we are, right? As good a father as I think I am to Oliver, which sometimes I don't feel like a great father. I still want good for him. How much better is my heavenly father gonna be towards me? <laughs> I bring myself before him and that's where we meet the person. And this is where, you know, this is why we have uh, this, this book is so we know the character of God. We know what he's like. Let me share with you a little story of what I mean by this, because you're, you're like, maybe I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know if I believe this, this whole thing. So I have an, 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 a very successful father, and I've studied under very successful ministry people. And some of you heard some of this story in my past, but um, I am a miracle child. And I was told this from a very early age. You're a miracle, because I wasn't supposed to be born. My mom had all these medical complications, and like literally, like the uterus wasn't supposed to be a place where life was going to happen. And yet I was born. Great. Then I hear you are the miracle of these people and they're successful and they're incredible. And from a er- very early age, I was asking the question, am I worth the miracle? Like, am I a waste of a miracle? What do I have to do to prove that this miracle, like God did the right thing? And then I'm under all these incredible men and I'm doing campus ministry now and all the time I'm wondering, am I worth it? Is this worth enough? All the time, is this, it, you know, these people coming to Christ, was that enough? This sermon, was that enough? All the time. And, and I, I hid this part of, of myself from God for a while 
until finally I, I had a breakdown because someone said they hated me. Um, it, yeah, just a Tuesday in my life. Um, just kidding. So they said they hated me, and I you know, finally had this kind of person meets person with God. My dad calls it a big boy pants conversation with God. Why was I born? What, what am I? What am I supposed to be? I don't feel like I'm winning. Screamed at him for a while, used some language that um, we'll call choice with God, swore at him. <laughs> and God brought me, and, and he brought me to a verse, first, first Timothy, where Paul says, I am the chief of sinners. I remember saying to God, I feel like I'm like not hype, like, like it's not a metaphor for me. Like I feel like I am the chief of chiefs. <laughs> like, like I'm really failing. And God said, but what, what's next? I made you tenacious. You keep getting up. I didn't make you to be the most successful. I made you tenacious. That's something so much better than your, your, your incredible campus minister. That'll fade. You're the best sermon giver. That ain't true. You're the best at this or whatever it is. I needed to hear my father say, I made you, son, tenacious. You keep getting up. That's why you keep failing, because I made it that way. <laughs> you keep getting up. Got a lot of other stories like that from my wife and I's life of, of when you bring your full self before God and you, and you hear the grace and mercy come back at you, it, it begins to shape you and change you. He's changing me. That tenacious word is kind of, you can maybe ask my wife, maybe she's like, actually, I haven't seen any difference, but I feel like there's been a big difference since that day. Failure doesn't bother me as much anymore. It's woven into my being. <laughs> it's because I'm tenacious. I'm supposed to get back up. I apologize a lot. That's a, part of my, that's a part of my fabric. But I needed to hear my father say that to me. Jesus heard from his father, this is my beloved son. He heard from his father in the garden no, I'm not going to take the cup from you. No, you are going to still go to the cross. There's this remarkable change. People notice this, this remarkable change in Jesus that when the, uh, he's praying and he's sweating blood in the garden before he's about to be arrested, and, it, and he sounds like an anxious person, honestly, like a very stressed person. And when the Roman guards approach, as soon as he sees them come, his demeanor changes. My dad said no so I'm going to go through this. And all of a sudden, he's, he's, at a, he's at a different level of peace. He's actually very calm for about to be going on the cross for those trials. It's incredible. That's where the power comes from, is when person meets person, you bring all of you, and then you listen, <laughs> and you let God talk to you. That's what Jesus revealed. I think of this, this verse, Philippians 4, uh, started in, in 5, let your reasonableness, reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. That means the Lord is near. He's with you. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. In everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. What a, what a complicated mix of emotions, right? I'm, I'm grateful that I can bring all of my anxieties to him. Let your requests be made known to God. And notice that there's no promise that those requests will be handled in the way that you want. Just by letting him know 
the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God, just by bringing all of that and being in his presence, by knowing that he listens, that he cares, that he's a God of grace and mercy, that's his character, he will guard you. That's power. It takes power to guard. And he will guard what? Your hearts and your mind, right? Your emotions, all of your fears, and all of the thoughts that you're like, I, I, need, help protecting, I need help protecting myself all the time that I'm a terrible father. Oliver only needs four things, and I keep getting it wrong. And he screams at me, and you have to be in that moment like, I'm not a bad dad. <laughs> Babies cry. <laughs> I have to keep going. God made me Oliver's dad. These are the things that begin to protect you. And this is, this is where the power comes from. It's purposeful and powerful, and th- that combination is incredible. The, the, found, the founder of, our, of my organization, The Navigators, his name was Dawson Trotman, crazy dude, um, lived, lived a wild life. He was like the most successful evangelist. I, I will never be like him. But one, one way that I, that I am inspired by him is that when they had a particularly stressful uh, decision to make the next day, he would just roam the hills of the Rockies praying all night. And the, the next, the vice president would say, you could tell he wouldn't always tell you when he'd do it, but you could tell when he had done it because he had more joy and peace and energy than he did on a full nights of sleep ever. He had just met with God all night, set it aside. Prayer can be personal when someone sees, I just met with God and it's changed me. And it takes a lot of faith, friends. It takes a lot of faith to say that our God is real that he meets with you. And just like babies in the dark, we, we're not always sure, am I being held? Yeah, he's there. He's there. He's there. And when you embrace that and you begin to share that with people, look what God has done. Or your face is just different. Look, I just met with God. You know, my students actually can kind of tell. Days when I've spent time with God. Because I'm less crabby quote-unquote. They can tell. Make prayer a, a purpose of yours. Go and meet with God and get to know God. What was Jesus like? I don't know. We, didn't, we don't know exactly. Was he smiling? Was he making more jokes? I don't know. But something about it caused the disciples to say, now you tell me what just happened. What just happened? What if we live like that? Back to our question, how do you talk about your relationship with God? Do you talk about it like he solves all my problems? Because that's not always true. That's a little naive. (laughs) Do you talk about it like it's a burden? Like it's awful? Or do you say, I don't know what's going to happen, but the peace of God is going to guard me no matter what happens. That's incredible. No, who lives like that? That's what we want. Katie read this verse earlier, and I'm going to read it, and then I'm going to give you some time to think about that question before we, we go into to music. Psalm 1611, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. 
I love that verse because I want answers, but God just gives me his presence, and that's what I need more. I want answers. He gives me what I need, his presence. Practice the presence of God. Think about this question, then I'll pray in, in a minute. How, how do I pray? And how do other people see me pray? Think about that for, for just a second, and then um, I'll pray to close us. When my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in heart, I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast towards you. Nevertheless, <laughs> nevertheless, God, nevertheless, when we're brutish and ignorant, when we're struggling with bitterness, whatever, when nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will receive me to glory. Whom have we in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that we desire besides you. Our flesh and our heart, our circumstances, relationships, jobs, all of it, they may fail. But God, you are the strength of our heart and our portion forever. It is good for me to be near God. Would you help us, God, to make you our refuge so that we may tell and show and reveal all your works that people would want the relationship that you offer and have shown so graciously to us. Thank you for meeting with us this morning, God. In your name.